Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Sometimes I can be so dumb. I'm like stunned that I exist in the world. Okay. You're not getting any argument here. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer, born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Jenny, back on the right coast. I'm back on the east coast after a stint on the west coast. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen, I just watched Grease. How was that? Wow. <laughs> really? I bet. Because it's a movie like made in the 70s about the 50s, right? So like Oof. what could go wrong? There's a lot. It's very rapey. It's very rapey. <laughs> oh my God. And I mean, I'll get into it, guys. We're going to be covering that on Patreon. It actually is going to drop in three or four days after you hear this, yep. depending on what level on Patreon you are. Um, it's real bad. And... <laughs> You know what's funny, though? It brought my heart joy to watch it again, and I was singing <laughs> along all the songs. Right. And I was like, oh my god, I need therapy after this. Um, I wanted to just mention that we got some new patrons, and I want to shout them out. So let me do that. So these are people who've joined at our hero mode level, and I've sent all your stickers, so you should be getting those soon. They probably so already got them. So here are our new patrons. We have Rain, Sarah B, Mindy L, Laura, Patricia A, Angie M, Shannon, Nick. I think it's Nick. It's N-I-C, so I'm assuming Nick. And my friend, Elizabeth B. So welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate it. Why is, it, why is Elizabeth B your friend? I don't know. I really like her. We interact a lot. Oh, okay. I thought you were just making that up randomly. <laughs> like Amy's like t- telling herself she has friends now. I do. All of the Mimi Bs are my friends. Yeah, I figured. Mm-hmm. All right, Jenny. So let's talk a little bit about this episode. Do you want me to give you some updates in my life? Oh, yeah. Let's have an update. You have a life? Oh, uh, I had some stuff go on while I was out of town. Well, right before oh, I left wow. town. What so, happened? Do I know about this? People people broke into our building, into our storage units. Mom's going to hear this. Okay. I don't care. And they stole my bike. Wow. 
They wait a minute. They stole your bike. Yes, they stole my bike. You didn't, I didn't tell me that. Bike. I didn't know that till I came back because I didn't look. I didn't look at my storage unit, and it looked like it was like the lock was disturbed, but like it looked like nothing was gone. But I know I had a bike in there. My neighbors didn't realize I had a bike in there that was now gone. Is that like everything bike? else was undisturbed? Hmm? Is it Dad's very no bike that no he that one's out at the beach? Thank God. Oh, okay. This is one I bought. It's only like a four hundred dollar bike. It wasn't an expensive one. I bought it a couple of years ago just to have another bike in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm kind of a real New Yorker now because I had a bike stolen. Like it's sure. such a it's such a common occurrence here that they won't cover it on renters insurance, but they may uh, cover it on homeowners. I'm not sure, so I have to check. Oh but, yeah, um, they might. But uh, yeah, but your so, deductible is probably five hundred dollars, yeah. so it doesn't matter. And my neighbors had like a bunch of tools stolen. Like it doesn't matter where you live in New York and how nice your building is; it will get broken into at least once. I was reading an article. I want to say it was like maybe in the Washington Post or the New York Times. That was talking about, like, the crime rate just everywhere, generally, yeah. is skyrocketing. And the well, murder rate. Well, it's it's definitely gone up in New York. It's kind of more like the aughts here, like when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. It's like, because it got, I mean, but to be fair, it's still incredibly safe. Like, you're just coming down from super incredibly safe to, like, now people are stealing things out of your storage units. Like, it's, so yeah, so that, so that happened. And then yesterday, I got... An Amazon package delivery. You know how you get the email? Yeah. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then, like, I went out about my day, and then I went out last night, and then I come home, and I'm in the lobby, and I'm like, my package isn't here. That's weird. I go out the next morning. There's a box cut open next to my door, right? Mm-hmm. Like, on a like on our little planter, and mm-hmm. there's nothing in it. It's my box. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, how are these people get? No, I, I checked the Amazon thing. The, the guy left, left it outside. Box. Wow. Fair. We leave shit outside. That's fair. That's fair game. There's yeah. no way that that... I like how they, instead of just taking the box, they cut it open. Like, who's walking around with a box cutter? That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so, but I was like, oh my God, how are they getting in? But they did, it was Amazon left it outside. And it was oh, Amazon's okay. delivery people. Left it outside was in it New York expensive? City. expensive? No, it was something stupid and they reshipped it. But like, okay. why are you leaving it outside? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I mean, I was kind of glad because I was like, I thought they had gotten into our building. But there was other packages in there. So I was like, what's going on How here? did they get into your building to break into the storage unit? We think they. We think maybe our back door was open. It was in the middle of the day. And there's mm-hmm. a business like on the ground floor. And yeah. there's a gate that locks in the back. And we think like they might have been out there smoking or something. And then like maybe our door was propped open. Like it didn't look like and. There was no like breaking and entering, so some it was an oper- The only breaking and entering was on the on the actual, yeah, like yeah. cages, like the yeah. door. Even the door to the storage unit, which locks, was undisturbed. So it's like I don't know how they got in. Jenny, where are you? Let's get to more important things. Where are okay. you on Love Is Blind? Did I was robbed, but that, but that's okay. Let's just move on. <laughs> Did you watch the reunion of Love Is Blind? Not yet. Oh. <laughs> Let me just tell you something. The Lachey's came for people, right? The Lachey's. <laughs> I love that. Who would have thought that Vanessa Lachey specifically would be our hero today? <laughs> well, it's funny because they don't do a whole lot on that show. Like, there's They'll not a whole anything. lot to host, right? Like, there's nothing to host, really. She says to Shake at one point, you didn't come here to find love. You came here to find someone to fuck. Wow. That's what Vanessa Lachey said. <laughs> 
Well, I think I, I think I saw the fallout to that comment because she's basically like, dude, I'm just saying you were on the wrong show. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. It was really gritty, though. It was amazing. I need her to host every 90 Day Fiance talk to tell her. Like, Sean Robinson needs to take a page out of Vanessa. Are they? Um, book. They're Xers, right? They're Gen Xers. I don't know. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta Nick be. Lachey's got to be. Nick Lachey, Nick Lachey definitely is. But is she? I don't know. Do you remember? He was married to Jessica Simpson and they had that reality show, right? Was that him? I think that was I him. think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because she talks about like how she was his second wife. And yeah, you're right. He was married. Right. I remember that. They had a show. I forget what the show was called. But I was into it because remember she thought Chicken of the Sea was like real chicken in the tuna? Yes. <laughs> oh my God, right. <laughs> so Vanessa was born in 1980, so she's right on the cusp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's he's 73, so he's definitely an exer. He's had some work done. Oh, yes, he has. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes, he has. But I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, whatever. Teach his own. Um, she has not had work done. I as mean, far she, as I she's... Tell. 40 she's just on the age of starting to need work done are you putting your tumbler on a napkin or something even though she looks amazing like she doesn't she have to get work done i'm, I'm not saying looks- that but i'm like usually people don't get work done till their 40s that's true i don't want the glass banging all right make sure you're putting on something soft okay all right let's get from the delight that was vanessa lachey to the dumpster <laughs> fire that is don Batlick. <laughs> Jenny, today we're looking at Little House on the Prairie, Season 7, Episode 9, The In-Laws. The description reads, Charles and Almanzo expand their business by delivering goods to Sleepy Eye. After arguing about the quickest way to get there, they decide to make it a race, which proves interesting results. Was it interesting, though? I have a question. What is the point of this? What is the point of all of this? What is? I I mean, I'm... (laughs) Why are we here? Like, what is the point of any of this? <laughs> I was watching this and having an existential crisis. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Like, I just don't know what happened to this show. I don't know what happened to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, this show used to be, I don't know. Like, we went from everything being so intense and melodramatic to, like, there's no story arcs anymore. And I don't know what this new thing is with Michael Landon writing he and Carolyn and Laura and Almanzo as a buddy comedy, like a rom-com. Yeah. I, stop it. You're not friends. Well, and I feel She's like your it's... your daughter. I feel like it's turned really sexist, too. Turned? <laughs> but I feel like it's not as bad. Like, I feel like it wasn't as bad in the earlier season. Do you remember It when... wasn't as, like, direct and hostile, I feel like, the writing. Do you remember the days of, like, Paul reading poetry? Yeah, like, like I feel all like that shit is gone. I mean, there was definitely sexism and racism in the earlier seasons, but it wasn't so intentional. I feel like. Mm-hmm. And what happened to like they're struggling to carve out a life for themselves? I guess they're is rich it, now. Is it that Carolyn is working now, so they're they're not scrounging for money? Because we never see Charles farming. That's done. We never see him farm. Like there's no crops. And he admits in the opening scene here that the mill is not doing great. So, like, it just, it's so weird. It just took such a weird turn. Like, they dropped all of those 
threads that were just so important to the series as a whole. Well, and there's there's a scene where I feel like Dom Batluck should be dragged into the street and beaten for the writing on it. And we'll get to we'll I'll identify it when we get to it. All right, Jen, we open on the mill. Paul and Manly are unloading a shipment from Jonathan Garvey. He's living large. Garv's like business is killing it, sounds He's like. He's doing pretty well. You know what I noticed? He has a velvety voice. Okay. He does. Like I hate him, but he has such a velvet <laughs> voice. It's uh, not like, hey, everybody! It's not like that idiot. As we mentioned, written by Tom Batlock, directed by Claxton. Just FYI. Claxton's back. Claxton's okay. back. Okay. Demoted back down to director. Now he produced it, too. Okay, I have to say something. Batlock ha- is solely responsible for this show's downfall. Oh, okay. and it's not Michael Landon at all. It has nothing to do with Michael him. Landon, when he was writing the episodes, they were at least somewhat better. Or they were Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> or they were Bonanza, which was written by someone else. Okay, so Jonathan Garvey's like, I won't be back anytime soon because my business has grown so fast and I won't be able to service Walnut Grove anymore. And Jonathan Garvey's like, you guys both have good teams. Why don't you join up in the freighting business? You know, I think this would be a good business for you two. Yes. Is this an, is his thing, is Garvey Freight and MLM? <laughs> <laughs> like is he trying to recruit them like stay out of my business he's, he's like can i get a little cut of this i know i know the mill he's like the mill's not keeping you busy he has this real deep voice the mill's okay. not keeping you busy and the feed and seed all right we're not doing rich. this <laughs> impressions are not a thing this like what not my th- thing that's your goddamn sure you're making this like a puppet show Jonathan Garvey's like, this will be good business for you guys. Bye. I'm out of here. And he leaves. Charles and Almanzo turn to each other and they're like, maybe this could work like a partnership, a family business. What could go wrong? They have a little squabble over whether it's Wilder and Ingalls or Ingalls and Wilder. I want to say something. Almanzo has huge balls. Like, who are you, dude? To okay, step for, over Charles for a second. I'm like, like, for a second, I'm like, was his pants too tight? Like, why do you think that? Oh. Oh. I'm like, how'd you see that? <laughs> I'm hungover. Okay, the amount of times that I have to say Manly's load in this episode, <laughs> it just. Ugh. All right, so now they're at the little house, and they're having an argument over the best route to get to Sleepy Eye, and I feel seen, because this is me and Timmy every time we have to go somewhere. This is what New Yorkers live for. Yes, it is. This is literally what New Yorkers live for. Yep. Is what is the fastest subway route to get to a certain place? When we are even coming to New York, (laughs) I have to plan out how we are going to get from point A to point B to your house. Like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So, Manly is saying, like, his way is half the distance. But Pa's telling him there's a ton of hills that way. With a full wagon, you're asking for problems. What Pa's saying, basically, is you're going to overtax the team. That's what he's saying. Pa's way is twice as long, but it's easy and it's flat. And that's why everyone takes it. And again, why would you question Charles? Well, why would you not take the road well-traveled? Isn't that a poem or something? Robert Frost. Thank you. (laughs) They bicker, and then Albert, who's clearly gone through puberty, comes in like, "Hey guys!" Like his voice just cracks. 
So he's like, I guess he hand painted the sign. What'd you think of that, Jen? It was terrible. Who picked that color? That's like Rust-Oleum. Remember dad used to paint everything with Rust-Oleum at our house? Yeah. It was that Rust-Oleum green. Yeah, well, that's what you paint metal with. Yeah, but why green? Oh, I don't know. He did. He painted the glider on the porch that yeah, color. Yeah, I feel like he painted like everything. Doors, like banisters. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So Albert painted a sign on the side of Manley's wagon. And then Pa has an idea. He's like, we're going to have a race. There's a way to find out which path is the fastest. We're going to race, motherfucker. So, Jen, what do they... They decide to wager, which, by the way, Carolyn's appalled. I don't like wagering. I don't like gambling, Charles. Jen, what's the wager? Oh, my wife's going to cook for you guys. (laughs) I was was so enraged. I'm like, why do Carolyn and Laura have to do this? Fuck these guys. Right, this motherfucker is like, and I'm talking about Charles, is like, if I lose, Carolyn cooks a whole meal with all the trimmings for you guys. The fuck? And I Who, just who wrote, turned it around, though? Who turned it around on? Was it Laura or Laura. Carolyn? Mm-hmm. Laura. Because Laura's like, what if neither of you win? So what they're going to do is they're going <laughs> to attempt to get to Sleepy Eye by 1 o'clock. And if they don't beat that, then they both lose and they have to cook. I love it. And I just wrote... Who, why would you not ask Carolyn first, you Benedict Arnold? Well, I mean, it's not like, Carolyn's cooking every day anyway. Like, it's not like, this is something new. I know, whatever. Um, I just wrote here that I do not like this rom-com buddy feel. I'm not into this. Nope. It's weird. And I wrote, these couples are not equals. They're in-laws, and that's different. Yep. Carolyn says to Charles, sometimes younger people know best, and Almanzo on the way home says... This will be a good. This will be a good lesson for your father. <laughs> his way is I was like, best. <laughs> I was like, why is Belmonte's voice suddenly low? <laughs> and I just wrote, "Fuck off, manly." Okay. <laughs> so later that night, Charles is looking at the map for a shortcut. He wants to guarantee the win, Jen. And I feel this. You want to guarantee the win? Yeah, but like he know, like if you want to guarantee the win. Go the way you know is going to get you there easily. Right. Like, right. he knows the way Almanzo's going is going to be a cluster. Right? <laughs> so, like, just let that play out. But don't also put your own, like, this is risk mitigation. Like, also don't put your own plan at risk when you don't have True. to. True. Yep. Too many unknowns. Too many unknowns. Carol- Carolyn says, if this shortcut was so great, why wasn't the road built this way to begin with? Does exactly. She no. Does she think they had city planners and shit in the 1870s? No. The way they used to build roads is, is they would take over old trails. So, like, if that was an easy way to go, people would have kept using that shortcut. It would have been worn down. It would have naturally become a road. Unless it belonged to somebody. Well, that's what they soon find out. Yes. <laughs> so, the next day, the men meet at the mill, and they leave for Sleepy Eye, and they're wishing each other luck. And, okay, now... I need to talk about this scene. Well, wait, wait, wait. You forgot one thing, though. When Carolyn does ask that, like, why wasn't the road made that way in the first place? What does Charles say? I don't have it. Because they didn't ask me first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wow. That's what I mean. I like, it, it turned the 80s and everyone lost their minds, apparently. I really feel like there was a break in filming. I don't know what happened this year. Because the first two or three episodes of the season aren't terrible. Yeah. 
I mean, they're not good, but they're not this bad. Can I tell you, this is what happened with Raised by Wolves? Yeah. Tell them, Jenny. So, I love that show. And it's mm-hmm. so good. I mean, and I'm watching, Max. And I'm watching season two. Episodes one through four, the usual quality you expect. Really good. Episode five and six, I'm like, did Don Bat look blow in here and write this? Because <laughs> it's like a whole takes a weird ass. Like you know how sci-fi when it goes off the rails, it could go, it could get yeah. so corny and weird. Yeah, and it's really gone in that direction. I don't know what's happening. Is Don Batluck dead? I need to know we're safe from him. <laughs> Pause. I need to look this up. We're back. Good news. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just I be just, the estate coming after I you. I just know? can't. I can't. He died in 2000. He was 70 years old. Okay. All right. I'm trying to think. Look what he wrote here. Uh, episodes of Room 222, The Rookie, Starsky and Hutch. Oh. Beretta, Policewoman, Hawaii Five O. He's the co-creator of Here's Boomer. Oh, yeah. Here's Boomer. All right. He wrote for Little House on the Prairie, and he wrote for Father Murphy. He was the executive story supervisor for Fantasy Island and Helltown. What is Helltown? I have no idea. Okay. We'll get to that. Helltown is mentioned in my index card. He died of shocker, shocker, lung cancer and emphysema. Okay. All right, so at school, we have this the weirdest scene ever, ever, ever. Carolyn comes over to the school, and she's talking to Laura, and she tells Laura about the shortcut, and she does this weird laugh. Aim. This is the scene. This is the scene I was they, referring to. Guys, I have it for the Mimi Bees because I wrote, this is unlike anything I've ever seen on television. <laughs> it's so weird. Claxton... And Batluck, literally, I love how that's not even his name, <laughs> literally, literally made Laura, Melissa Gilbert, who is a good actress, and Karen Grassle, who is a good actress, perform a Grassley. scene where, where the, Grassle, sorry, Grassley, where, Grassley? Mm-hmm. what did I say? Mm-hmm. You said Grassle. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay. I can't get anyone's names right today. I'm hungover. Okay. So they... I mean, he literally made them perform a scene where they are terrible actresses, and they are not. They are really good. Like, they, you could tell they can't even act this. Like, they don't need, like, it's just so bad. It's so bad. I'm putting it on record as, I remember we had another scene like this, and it was the awkward laughing, and we were going off about it. Mimi's, if you remember, let us know. I'm wondering if it was this combo, Balak and Claxton. <laughs> Well, and also I'm like, Karen Grassley is acting drunk. That must have been the only way she could do it. She must be like, I just have to act like I'm loaded because that's the only thing that makes sense here. So, so anyway, guys, that happens. Now we see Manly approaching his first hill and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he, he comes at that hill guns blazing. I feel like that's a really bad idea. Screaming. Yeah, 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 yeah. And those horses are like, fuck you, dude. They get halfway up that hill and they just stop. What was he screaming on him? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
so he comes up with the plan, and I have to admit, I wouldn't have come up with this plan. I just have that the horses are real, real mad. <laughs> Sometimes I can be so dumb, I'm, like, stunned that I exist in the world. Okay. When he came up with this You're plan... You're not getting any I'm... argument here. <laughs> when he came up with this plan to unload half and take... I would never have thought of that. He has no other options. I just What's his other like, option? Oh, fuck, you have to go home and go the other way. <laughs> That would mean giving up, Aim, and he's not going to do that because he might lose his manhood and look like he wasn't right. That's true. That's true. So, guys, he decides to empty half the wagon, take the lighter load up the hill, unload it, then come back down, get the other half, and bring that up. Now, a lot of continuity issues with this, which we'll get to. Okay. (laughs) Now we see Charles trucking along, and he runs into a rando hitchhiker and, of course, picks him up. I have an index card. <sighs> Who is this snarky cum grungeon? Jenny, he's you in 15 years. <laughs> oh, God, he's like 100. <laughs> no, he's not. He's uh, like 70. At this time? He's 772, I think. What year is this in? 1980, isn't it? Is it 1980? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he's 73. Okay. Cavendish. Is that how you say his name? Cavendish? That's how he says it. Cavendish is played by Eddie Quinnell. Born in Philadelphia in 1907. He got his start as a child in vaudeville. That's how motherfucking old this dude is. Wow. He's known for Mutiny on the Bounty, 1935. The Grapes of Wrath, 1940. The, Manchur- the Man- Mandar- Mandarin Mystery, 1936, and Nightwork, 1930. He's been in Matluck, The A-Team, Highway to Heaven, Moonlighting, Helltown. Wait, he was in Moonlighting? <laughs> yeah, he was just like in one or two episodes. Okay. Helltown in 1985. This seems to be a big show in the 80s. I've never even heard of it. Have you? I've never heard of it either. Uh-huh. Hmm. He played Poco Loco in Helltown. Poco Loco? In Little House on the Prairie, he was Judge Picker in The High Cost of Being Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know I saw him before. Remind me, what episode is that, The High Cost of Being That's Right? That's where Alice and Garvey are getting divorced. Yes. And they and have the, the divorce in the church. He's the divorce. Yes. Judge. Okay. He's Gargan in Somebody Please Love Me. I don't even remember what that was. Yes, I remember that. That's when um, Charles goes to that weird widow's house. And she falls in love with him. Remember? And he falls in love with the kids. We just saw oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then and he goes by the river and he's like, she's macking on him and the kids are playing. He right. like has a whole other family. Yes. Mm-hmm. He plays Shorty in The Return of Mr. Edwards. Yep. And then some future episode, he plays Old Timer. <laughs> God. And Buffalo Bill. Ooh. That's okay. like in season nine. What is happening what is, in season nine? Is that is season nine the one where Mr. Edwards has the orangutan? Yes, I think so. Okay. He was in the original Adams Family in 1964. He played ten different characters in that one. Oh, okay. The Andy Griffith Show, Petticoat Junction, Bonanza, but only once, but that must have been where he met... Mm-hmm. The gang. Um, he met the gang. The gang. Mm-hmm. He was in My Three Sons. Remember that show? I used to I like do that show. I remember that show. We, I mean, we obviously watched it in syndication because it was mm-hmm. from the 60s. 
He was literally in hundreds of movies. He is famously quoted in a 1972 interview, Casting directors are so young these days, they haven't a clue to who I am or what I've done. How do you tell someone you've been in over 100 movies? Wow. Yeah, he fits right in with this crew. Well, and I love how at 65, he's like, all these casting directors are so young. They're probably like 40. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, and, he's, and he's pulling a don't you know who I am. Don't you know? <laughs> right in with these guys. I am. Um, he never married. He died in Burbank in 1990 at 83 years old. Okay. Good riddance. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. All right. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> I don't have a lot of patience for the don't you know who I am people. I don't know. I, just I don't, don't know if he's saying... I don't think he's saying that. Well, I think he is. He's saying they don't know who he is, but I how think he's saying... How do you tell someone you've been in over 100 movies? That's a don't you know who I am. <laughs> but I also feel like if you've been over in over 100 movies and, and no, no one, one knows, knows who, who you, you are, are... That's a problem. Then, like, you're you're obviously a bit actor, dude. Like, just accept True. that. True. I actually really like his character in this episode, though, because he's funny. here to troll Charles, and mm-hmm. he is not here for Charles' shit. Love it. So Charles starts to take the shortcut, and Cavendish starts berating him. And he brings up the point that the road should be this way. And Charles said, you sound like my wife. And Cavendish says, I'm surprised a fellow like you could be married to anyone with sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Love it. 
Notice that Michael Landon... Oh, Michael Landon didn't write this. Notice he's okay with poking fun at himself um, as long as it's harmless. Yeah. Yep. Right? Like, he's never going to make, like, a height joke. No. Or anything like that. Oh, God. It's got to be safe, right? Right. So, meanwhile, at the bottom of the hill, a starving... At the bottom of Manly's Hill, a starving and super religious family come upon half of Manly's load that he left at the bottom of the hill. (laughs) Hey, everyone, it's my load! (laughs) Okay. So they think, Jen, they believe that the Lord just stuck this food in front of them. (laughs) What? Okay. Here's my problem with religion, everyone. Like, I know, I know. Like, they use religion to justify stealing someone's stuff because mm-hmm. clearly this has to, like, God didn't just make this in heaven and lower it down mm-hmm. to the ground. Mm-hmm. This belongs to someone. Some human has manufactured and carried this stuff to a certain place. Yes. There's no sign on it that says free. Here's, an, like, I feel like this is like a weird parallel universe to New York City, this episode. Yes. This is what, like, if you... Have to, if you're moving and it's always a nightmare moving here, you have to leave things in certain places and like run your truck around the block because someone's trying to get through, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But you can't just leave your stuff somewhere because people assume you're putting it on the curb, like take my stuff. Yes. So yes. you can't like because someone will just come and start carrying it away like instantly. Yes. And that's <laughs> what happens here. Yeah, this is like, oh, they left this on the curb. Cool. But the timeline does not match up because we saw Manly try yes. to get up this hill, and the hill is not that big. It's the it's all screwed up. So the time now here. he is supposedly up the top of the hill unloading his load. <laughs> I almost get my coffee out. Stop it. And and and. These people down at the bottom of the hill, not only do they come across it and have a lengthy conversation yep. about where it came from, but then they get all their kids to jump off the wagon and they put it all onto their wagon and take off. Yeah. All in the time it takes him to finish what he's doing. Well, and they which... talk about how God must want them to have this because they left, he mm-hmm. left it here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. you're stealing someone's shit. Yes. So Manly comes down the hill and is stunned to see his load gone. <laughs> <laughs> No, the best is when he's flying up the hill, and it's like half the load, and like things are bouncing off the car. What an idiot. This guy is such an idiot. That's like me driving to get the kids from school because I'm late, as always, and like shit's bouncing all over my car. I'm hitting potholes, and I'm even thinking about it. What an idiot. So he sees wagon tracks and decides to follow them, but he doesn't. He doesn't subtly see this. He says it out loud because we don't know how to, like, telegraph anything. So he's just like, what happened to my, what happened to my goods? Oh, there's tracks here. They're headed that way. Well, they're not going to get away with it. Like, and it's the ho- so weird. And you can tell the horses are like, this guy's a fucking moron. <laughs> like, they're kind of like, of course it's gone, you dumbass. Yes, like. yes. So now we have Charles. And Cavendish, and they come across a, sc- a stream, and Charles is like, this wasn't on the map? What the fuck? Charles tries to go across the stream, because he's like, oh, it's only like a foot deep, but it's like three feet deep. And the horse, he's like beating on the horses. These poor horses. You can't tell me no horses were not harmed during the filming of this show. <laughs> I'm just like, haven't they learned their lessons about crossing creeks yet? I know. So they decide to lighten the load, but the old dude won't help, so... 
in a comedy situation, in a comedic move, Charles has to put the old dude on his shoulders and carry him across to safety. Well, when the horses stopped in the water, I was like, all of the horses are smarter than the men on the show right now. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. All right. So at the starving family's house. Oh, because Almanza was hunting down a starving family. Yes. They're sitting down to eat this feast. So now, let's review. He sees their tracks and is going to... They have had time to get home, unload all this shit, and cook dinner. Yep. And sit down and eat it. It doesn't make sense. So they're eating and they're so happy. And suddenly, Jenny, he busts through the door. Like, just kicks it down. Yep. And they beg him for forgiveness and explain that they thought the Lord did this. And I love the father, the starving father, because he's like eating the ham and he's like, we're real, we're really regretting what we did right now, but uh, we have well, this is to delicious. <laughs> Manly's like, I'm here for my load. <laughs> Whatever. So across town or wherever charles gets the wagon across and he asks the old man to shut the fuck up like that's literally a scene why do we need that scene we didn't need that i didn't even write i didn't even comment on that scene then the starving dad i hate to call him that but i don't know his name (laughs) maybe just the dad of the family i don't know the dad shows manly a claim on his property that he was trying to mine but he doesn't have the tools so manly gives him the tools and and they, they take a break to mine some stuff. They take a break to mine. All right. So Carolyn is burning up. Back in Walnut Grove, Jen, Carolyn is burning up Harriet's switchboard to, to find Charles. Yeah. Well, she gets a call from Jonathan. No, she calls him, doesn't she? No, he calls her. And it's like, I thought. No, does she call him? No. I can't remember. Does it matter? He calls her. And it's like, I thought they'd be here by now. <laughs> yes. I don't remember. So Jonathan Garvey's like, I haven't seen him. And it's well past their one. Well past one. Yep. Mm-hmm. She tells him, like, have Charles call me the minute he gets there. And yep. in the kitchen now, she's cooking and Nellie's standing there eating now. <laughs> this is the part where Amy punched a hole in the wall. Wow. Wow, guys. Wow. This she's is what I mean. Hiding. I feel like this stuff's, like, really overt now. She's hiding from Percival because she's not supposed to be eating. She's pregnant. Can we discuss that she had a, I think, a ice cream cone? And I think the cone was one of those, like, packaged cake yeah, cones. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, she's not supposed to be eating. Percival is pissed. She hides in the pantry. I don't know what's going Cause on. Because Doc Baker told her she's eating too much. Yeah, and the best is she's like, I want a second opinion. Yeah. Don't we all? Fair. Fair. Mm-hmm. And Percival tells her, so so he finds her in there. He sneaks up on her like a Scooby-Doo villain. And he's like, <laughs> you're eating too much. She's dipping pickles in maple syrup, which is gross. Gross. I'll give her that. Um, Percival tells her, well, my opinion is that you're getting fat. Wow. And then he tells her to go to her room. This is so bad. What? It was what? so bad. What? Uh, who wrote this scene? Two men. Jenny, that's who wrote this scene. Break this down for me. What does he mean when he says go to your room? I guess he means go to her room. Like upstairs their bedroom, I guess. Why is he sending her to her room? I don't know. Because she's punished, I guess. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Oh, my God. That's what I mean. Like, I feel like in these later seasons, like, it's just the writing has gotten really... Jesus. 
like ridiculous. And I feel like people. So I've, I'm in a bunch of little house on the prairie groups, and people just do not look at it like we do. <laughs> I mean, people just love this show. I mean, but we I love it like, too. But you got to look at things with a critical eye. We love it too. But I think what they're loving as a wholesome message and everything is they're thinking of like season one. Yeah, you sure. know what I mean. Which like, I mean is different. Is a like way different. different feel. Yeah. Yep. Because you're right. Like you and I did season one and even season two. Mm-hmm. And the the sexism was there. All of that was there, but it was subtle. Right. This like is it, just it felt, like the sexism in those seasons felt accidental. This feels intentional. Yes. Yeah. It's gotten real bizarre. Like he's sending a not grown that either. Woman. I'm not saying either's okay. But right, right, right. But he's sending a grown woman to her room. It's unbelievable. Oof. Wow. Yeah. That's even worse than the fat thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. It's bad. Now we have. And the like, starving. why do we even have that scene? I don't know. There's no reason for that scene. There's no reason for it. Yep. So Charles and his cranky passenger now run into a wire fence. <laughs> and Charles is about to cut the fence. Yeah, just That's destroy someone's property. Move. Do you not watch Yellowstone? Do you not know how hard it is to put up a fence like this? I do not. That's a dick move. Okay. At first, I thought when the guy was yelling, don't cut it, that it was electric. (laughs) No. So the landowner rides up with a shotgun and he's like, nope, you got to turn around. You got to get back on the road. Because that's why the road was built. Yes. So meanwhile, Cavendish is like, do you mind if I take off? (laughs) Totally ditches. Dude's like, yeah, go ahead. Then we see the starving dad helping Manly and his team up the hill by attaching his team and adding more horsepower. No, more horsepower. Yes. I have a question. How long is this day? (laughs) Right? I don't know. They've eaten dinner. They've mined. They've shipped. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So Manly thanks him and tells him to get to mining. So now we have a throwaway scene with Cavendish hopping on a train to Sleepy Eye. Total throwaway scene. No reason for that. Mm -mm. Nope. Charles arrives at Sleepy Eye and Jonathan Garvey tells him, Elmonzo hasn't been here yet. I can't get my voice that deep. No. No, that's not going to be a thing. I let you do the manly thing. That's it. They decide to play a trick on him and act like Charles has been there since noon. Oldest trick in the book. Come on. Charles runs in to call Carolyn, and Jonathan Garvey tries to tell him that he already spoke to Carolyn, but Charles doesn't hear it because he just runs in the building. Well, and then Jonathan, instead of, like, following him and telling him, he kind of just, like, never mind. Like, like he doesn't say it, and I feel like he's Mm -hmm. a little bit like, let's just let that play out. (laughs) Carolyn, in the meantime, Laura comes over to the school. She's like, have you heard from them? And Car- or over the restaurant. And Carolyn's like, yeah, they're staying the night. The women are relieved. Carolyn says they definitely missed their deadline. I talked to Jonathan way after one o'clock. So now Manly shows up and tells He's Charles, moping into town. He's moping into town. He tells <laughs> Charles he was right all along. And Charles is like, since I've been sitting here waiting for you, now you can buy Mary and I dinner. <laughs> How is Mary getting a free dinner out I of this? Know. I just wrote they trot Mary out <laughs> from wherever she's been. <laughs> I have to tell you something. Um, I haven't read Alison Arngram's book yet, but I need to. 
Uh, I read an excerpt from it in which she basically says Mary was a stuck-up bitch. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you. Okay, yeah, I'm a stuck-up bitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because she, uh, she was a big narc, and she was always hanging out with the I adults. was not a narc. You and were the fucking look, narc. She was, she was you were the down. narc. Oh, my God, you were such a narc. She Nellie and Laura, who were, like, having fun and playing around. Well, I mean, you know, judging people for who they narc. are. I you were such a narc. You were always narcing. <laughs> I'm still narking you out all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, because all mom. As soon as I hang up, I can tell her your place was broken into. I know, and then she's going to be all crazy mm-hmm. about it. And I'm not going to be specific. I'm just going <laughs> to tell her it's. I don't know. Jenny was robbed, and then I'm going to hang up. I'm going to say I have to go. All right. So Manly shows up, and oh, I have that already. Okay, so they trap Mary out, and. I shared in the Mimi Bees the screenshot of Mary saying, hey, I never get asked to dinner. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. So they're heading to the most expensive place in Sleepy Eye. Okay. And Charles is planning on ordering a ton of expensive shit. And I just wrote, dude, you do know you're taking money from your daughter's house, right? I know, right? <laughs> this is not some, again, this rom-com thing. This is not some couple friend that you're just buddies right. with. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Jonathan. No, like, this is your daughter's family. Yep. Oh, God. But I guess money is really no object now. You I know, know it's suddenly, just no overnight. Object. Yeah. So, suddenly, Jen, they're ordering, and who's the waiter? It's the cranky dude. Yeah, this is a microcosm of Little House as a whole, because there's a dude playing several different parts. He was the hitchhiker. Then he was a stowaway on train passenger, or passenger, and now he's a waiter. No, but he's the same guy, you realize Yes, that, right? I know. But I'm saying it's a microcosm <laughs> of what yeah, happens. Right, it's true. the same guy. I'm so like, is she, Amy having a breakdown? <laughs> she doesn't know that's supposed to be the same person. <laughs> so he's there, and he blows Charles' secret wide blows open. Blows him tells up. Him, so tells good. him about the shortcut and how he got there super late. And for some reason, this means Charles has to buy dinner now, even though they both missed the deadline. Well, I I think Manly was mad that Charles lied and cooked up a scheme. So then you just split the bill at this point. Just split the bill. Yeah. Yeah. Manly orders a ton of food. He orders a nice big steak, two eggs over easy, a nice big side of mushrooms, a nice green salad, and a big piece of peach pie. Mary orders the same. Oh, my God. She is the worst human. (laughs) Like, that's your paw, Mary. Cut him a fucking break. So, Charles orders a bowl soup because he has no money. Okay. And, like, don't they share some of that food? Because he's hungry later. It's ridiculous. Later, Charles is tallying up what Manly owes the business from the shit that he gave away to the starving family. He owes the partnership $11.80, and Manly says he's going to need a few weeks to pay that back. And Manly goes, I thought you would have been more understanding. Those folks were starving. And Paul says, I was understanding until you ordered the second steak and a second piece of pie. Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. What Why did didn't they, they just use that money to pay for the goods? This is like, we went out the other night, and we went to this restaurant, and I just ordered 10 things because I wanted to try them all. <laughs> so nice. It's like, but it's like, you know, we order 10 appetizers and we just share them all. Yeah. I'm not making Timmy sit there and eat a cup of soup while I'm eating 85 things. Timmy ordered appetizers? He did. You know the shit he gives me when I order an appetizer. Yes, he does. 
Like I'm some kind of royalty ordering an appetizer. Jimmy's not anti-appetizer. He's just anti-spending money. Yeah. He and, acts like you know. it's the end of the world because I ordered mm-hmm. raw mm-hmm. oysters. Yes. They were probably $50, to be fair. Whatever. Okay. So they cook up the idea, Jen, to tell the women that they arrived in Sleepy Eye right at the same time on the dot at 1 o'clock. And Paul's like, now we don't have to look the fool in front of our women. Well, and Manly's like... That's lying. And then Charles says, lying is better than cooking. And I have to say, I agree. I agree with that. Then we have a throwaway scene where Paul sneaks upstairs to get food at Jonathan Garvey's, makes a racket, and wakes Jonathan Garvey up. Yeah, what is that for? I don't know. And he and Andy troll him about a shortcut. I, I don't know. I don't know. They arrive home, Jen, and the women come out to greet them. And Charles tells them they met right at the same moment. He's like, in there was this amazing moment where I'm coming down the road. I'm like, this is crap. This is garbage. <laughs> it's really weird. Carolyn is like, I call Jonathan Garvey, you asshole. It's really <laughs> I love it. I love so, it. So then the last scene is we see them cooking at Laura and Almanzo's house. And it's a disaster. They can't cook. They're burning I feel everything. Seen. I feel seen. I feel seen. Laura and Caroline just get up and they head to Nellie's where they're going to, where they serve dinner till 830. Sweet. Sweet. Okay. So Jenny, that's the end of this episode. Um, on a scale of one to uh, Howard the Duck, how shitty was this? <laughs> Uh, 15? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it was as shitty as Manly's Balls. Oh, God. It was gross. It was... It was gross. They just didn't advance the plot. There's no character development. Well, There's there no... was, like, there was so much spent on Manly moving goods around a field. And then, like, but, like, things in the plot that didn't belong there and just didn't move like like that nelly scene the eating the foods the trying to look for food scene but again like i just don't know what where's the main like what is the main story arc that the through line that we're working with here there isn't one like why did they have to go to dinner like i got that they got that guy to to blow charles a scheme but they could have just had that all blow up at the same time when carolyn was like I heard right. you guys right. You know what I mean? Like, right. they didn't yeah. need to, like... Because they need to set up this weird rivalry with Elmanzo and Charles. I guess. But it's, like, weird. I don't know. All right, Jenny. Uh, whose fault is this? I have that this is Charles's fault. I have that Stom Ballack's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always the writer's fault in the end. <laughs> Maybe it's Ronald Reagan's fault. Like, uh. did, did he come into the 80s and everyone just lost their minds i don't know i don't know what happened it's so weird i was charles because charles is cooking up all these schemes and lying and he should know better than this elmanzo's an idiot i don't expect him to know any better like what happened to connecting this to historical events or anything that was happening at the time yeah like it's just completely off the rails it's completely off the rails at this point it's bad it's bad like we had, we had Arthur Fonzarelli jumping sharks in his leather jacket and swimsuit. We brought that up last episode, but I feel like we're—I don't even know where we're at with this one. It's just getting worse. I think, and I will never forgive Michael Landa for this. 
I will never forgive his ghost for this egregious error. They jumped the shark when they had the greatest lovers of our time, Laura and Almanza Wilder, wed in a blind school by a dime store preacher on Mary's anniversary. No, I just... From is, that minute on, I don't on, know why that's like, the greatest love story of done. our time. This show oh. is done. done. I feel like they've had a rocky marriage from day one. I don't know how they're the greatest but love story are, of our time. they are a famous couple. Like, it is... I don't know where exactly Jump the Shark, but you can see how we're on like the collision course for Mr. Edwards with the chimpanzee. Like you could just see or an orangutan. You could just see how we're like Listen. rapidly increasing our speed towards that. Listen, it's like the game in Price is Right where he yodels up the hill. The cliffhanger, you know cliffhanger, cliffhanger, of course. Cliffhanger. And on the way up the cliffhanger, you have, right near the top, you have Mr. Edwards and the ring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then right past him, you have Dylan McKay in his Porsche on the pier okay. with Brenda. That's calling you, me. You still have two seasons there. to clink. You still have two seasons of, <laughs> of digging this dirt out of this hole. <laughs> <laughs> so buckle up. Maybe it'll get better. Okay, yeah, I'm sure it'll just suddenly, maybe it'll get a new writer. Hey, we didn't get to Sylvia yet. That's true. And that one was good. We didn't get to Albert on Morphine yet. That's true. And those episodes were good. Mm -hmm. So maybe they get a different writer. Who writes those? I don't know. Who writes those, eh? I don't know. I'm going to look up who wrote Sylvia. Pause. Maybe Batluck went to school finally for writing. Maybe he, maybe he took that community college course in writing for for uh, TV. Guess who wrote it? Who? Michael Landon. Michael, I I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. But Michael Landon wait, is, wait, do, is wait, the better do, writer. Go ahead. Michael Landon is the better writer on the show. God. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if you had to pick one, like if I if had to pick were, one. Yeah. Who wrote Fred? That's the best writer on earth. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> they have a great sense of humor. Who wrote Fred? Um, okay, hold on. I'll look. Because wasn't Claxton writing for a while, or was he just directing? Oh, did he write anything? I don't know. Okay, who wrote Fred? <laughs> Robert Vincent Wright. <laughs> See? We had an amazing writer that's gone. <laughs> Clearly gone. Who yeah, wrote Bully let's... Boys? Did he write Bully Boys, too? Wait, hold on. I'm going to see. He wrote a bunch for Bonanza, and he only wrote Fred. Oh, my God. That's why that is literally the best episode of Little House. You had one writer come in and, like, nailed it, and he was like, peace out. And Michael Landon felt threatened by him. He's, he's like, this is the best episode of Little House. I've done my work here. I'm gone. Okay, B.W. Sandfew wrote Bully Boys. Okay, another good writer. Mm-hmm. B.W. Savvy. Okay, okay, so let's see what else he wrote. Oh, he's wrote, written a bunch of stuff. Oh, Jen, he wrote Blizzard. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. He wrote, okay, ready? He mm-hmm. wrote, wait, what is he as a writer? No, I'm sorry, that's where he was a producer. Okay, let's see what he wrote. Okay, he wrote <clears throat> Four Eyes. That was a good one. Haunted House. That was a good one. He wrote A Matter of Faith. Wow. Mm-hmm. Carolyn cutting off the leg. He wrote For My Lady. He wrote Soldier's Return. Nice. Mm-hmm. 
He wrote Bully Boys. He wrote To Live in Fear, Part 1. We'll forgive him for that one. He wrote The Election. He wrote Gold Country. And then he wrote two more that are coming up. Chicago Gold Country was good. Yeah. Okay, so, like, you could see the clear difference between good writers and Michael Landon and his little crew. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like the episodes that B.W. sent for right in the future <laughs> are good ones, too. It's when John Jr. dies and Charles goes oh, to Chicago. Okay, yeah. And then what is Rage? <gasps> oh, my no. God. What? This is season nine. Mr. Stark has gotten himself so far in debt he's lost his mind. He goes home and shoots his wife and daughter. Wow. Then he goes off and ends up at Laura's house, and he mistakes Laura and Jenny for his wife and daughter. Oh, I remember this. Oh, my God. I remember this. Oh, my God. It's dark. It's super dark, and the, the guy is, I think he's famous. I think we know him. Yes, it's Robert Loja. You know Robert Loja. Yes, you do. Hold on. No, I don't. I don't know. You do. The minute I tell you who it is, you'll know. He is famous for Mancuso. You know, he was Nick Mancuso. Do you remember that show? Nope. No. He was in Magnum P.I. He was. Hold on. What is he famous for? You don't even know. How famous can he be? He's like a, a. You always do this. You're like, oh, how do you not know this person? Then you can't name one thing they're in. He was nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, he was in Big. He was the dad. All right, Jenny. So at the end of every episode, we go through and think about a theme or a lesson, something we took from the original source material, either when we first saw it or when we watched it. We we think about how it kind of resonated in our psyche. We call it our why. It's designed to finish the sentence. Gen X, this is why. So what is your why for this episode? So mine's on the rewatch. This is why you always do what Google Maps tells you to do. Like, you know how some people are like, eh, I know better. No, yeah. you don't. Yeah. Just follow it. Remember maps? Like paper maps? Yeah. Remember atlases? Collection of maps? I used to have atlases all the time. I was obsessed with them, and I don't know why. Okay, I could see that. <laughs> well, here's my question. So the map that Charles was looking at must have been a t- topographic map, because yeah. he seemed to know elevation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fancy. I mean, you just write down what the elevation is. I guess. Um, I have, this is why I'm grateful for social programs. Because when your family was starving, you had to literally rely on miracles from God to feed <laughs> right. you. Yeah. Yep. Guys, when you went. A little bit like, of socialism is okay. If you were poor at this time, like you were fucked. You just, you just starved. Like, even the, the starving families having a conversation as they're approaching Manly's load. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. And the father saying, like, I really tried to find work. And they're dragging their kids around. Yep. And the mother's like, well, it's okay. At least we'll starve to death under our own roof. Uh, oh, yes, my it's God. Bleak. It's bleak. And I, lo- I want to address my asshole nature from many seasons ago when I said, can't you just hunt? Yes. Like, no, maybe yep. you can't. I was a jerk. You were a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? Please, Uh, dear God, let it be written by someone else. So we are going to watch. Do we decide this to see the light we're going to do, right? Of course we are. 
we're doing season seven, episode ten, to see the light part one. The description reads: a freak accident. Sorry, I don't know why I'm laughing. Because anything freak, involving Mary, we have to laugh. A freak accident threatens Adam's life, but when he wakes up, he realizes that his eyesight has returned. Everyone is thrilled for him, but Mary becomes concerned when he decides to abandon his teaching career to pursue a lifelong dream. Mm. Meanwhile, Harriet is determined to lose a few pounds after her son-in-law makes some negative comments about um, her weight. Oh, Percival, Percival has fallen from to? grace. Michael uh, Landon writes this next one. Thank does God. He? I want to know what happened to Percival. Like, why is he being such a dick? Oh, do you think they're writing him like that because he's Jewish? Maybe. Probably. They're so anti-Semitic on this show. They really are. All right. So it looks like we got Michael Landon writing that one. We got him writing the second part, obviously. So we're we're, we're somewhat safe from Balak for (laughs) the next couple days. Yeah. Okay. Then we we have a new one coming in. Chris Abbott. So we'll see what happens. New writer. Thank Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. It can can only get better, right? Jenny, you need to make me a marked say from Don Balick for the Facebook thing. <laughs> from Don Balick's writing? <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure he was a gem of a human. <laughs> I okay. think I need to be marked safe from him in general. If he if he has these views on life, yeah, we're all fucked. <laughs> all right, I'll make you one. All right, guys. So thanks so much for listening. Um, if you haven't already jumped in the Mimi Bees. The day you're hearing this is the day we're going to be picking our winner for our Trust No One Tumblr. Our dipping our toe into Tumblr culture. We're getting there. So go ahead and join the Mimi Bees if you haven't already. And check us out on Patreon where we're doing a bunch of shit. And like I said, Grease is going to be dropping. So if you haven't had your fill of, you know, 1970s misogynistic bullshit, check out our coverage of Grease. Which, Can't wait. I got to wow. watch that today. Mm-hmm. So super excited. Mm-hmm. Get nice and drunk before you watch that. <laughs> no, I can't drink today. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.